This is from 12 Rules for Life. Rule four is compare yourself to who you were yesterday, not to who someone else is today. Yes. Because you need to be, you need to have a, a hierarchy of improvement. You need to be aiming for something. And that means you're going to be lesser than people who've always already attained along that dimension. Yes. And that can give rise to envy. So the question is, who should you defeat in the final analysis? And the answer is, you should defeat your former self. You should be constantly trying to do that. And you're the right control for yourself, too, because you're the one who's had all your advantages and disadvantages. And so if you want to compete fairly with someone, then you should be competing with you. And it is the case, and this is what we were talking about, too, with regards to the self-improvement of the fighter, is, well, if you're improving yourself, then what you are doing is competing with your lesser self. And then you might also ask, well, what is that lesser self? And that lesser self would be resentful and bitter and and um, um, aggressive and vengeance-seeking and all of those things that go along with having a negative moral character. And those are things that interfere with your ability to progress as you move forward through life. So it's very necessary to understand that this is why, you know, I've been stressing this idea of personal responsibility. It's like, well, personal responsibility is to compete with yourself, is to be slightly better than yourself the next day. Yes. And it better in some way that you can actually manage. And that's humility. It's right. Like, well, I'm a flawed person. And I've got all my problems. Could I be as good as person X? It's like not the right question. The right question is, could you be slightly better tomorrow than your currently flawed self? And the answer to that is... If you have enough humility to set the bar properly low, then you could be better tomorrow than you are today. Because what you also have to do is you have to say, well, here's all my flaws and my insufficiencies. And the best that someone that flawed and insufficient could do to improve and actually do it is this. And that's not worth going out in the street and celebrating with placards, you know. It's like, well, this is why I tell people to clean their room. It's not going to brag to someone that you did that. But someone as insufficient as you might be able to manage it. And that means you actually are on the pathway to self-improvement and you're transcending your former self. And you might say, well, what's the right way of being in the world if there is such a thing? And it's not acting according to a set of rules. It's attempting continually to transcend the flawed thing that you currently are. And what's so interesting about that is that the meaning in, the meaning in life is to be found in that pursuit. So I've been laying that out in these discussions too because I say, well... The, the fundamental issue is that life is tragic and difficult, very tragic and difficult for everyone. And it's also tainted by malevolence because no matter how <laughs> things are tragic and difficult, but there's always some stupid thing that you could do or someone else could do that could make it even worse than it has to be. And so that's life. And you need an antidote to that because that can embitter you. Constant contact with that. Just the tragedy, but the tragedy combined with betrayal and malevolence <clears throat> that makes it even worse, especially if it's self-induced. Okay, so you need something to set against that so you don't get bitter and resentful. Well, what do you set against that? Doing something worthwhile by your own definition, say. You need some reason to get the hell out of bed on a terrible day because you've got something good to do. Well, what's the best thing you can do? Transcend your current wretched and miserable self. There's meaning to be found in that, and real and that's, that's a meaning that's associated with responsibility. One of the things that I've been trying to lay out clearly is that life is hard. It's tainted by malevolence and betrayal. That can make you bitter. You need a meaning to offset that. Where's the meaning to be found? Not in rights, not in impulsive pleasure, but in responsibility. You take responsibility for yourself, so you take care of yourself. If you're good at it, you, can, you have some excess left over to take care of your damn family. If you're good at both of those, then you have some excess left over to take care of your community. 
Those are heavy burdens. You pick up the burdens, you find that's meaningful. The best way to pick up the burden is to continually improve yourself. And that's where the meaning is to be found. And so that meaning is in the continual self-transcendence. That's letting your old self die and the new self be reborn. You Did you watch When We Were Kings? Ali and Frazier? Yeah. God, that's an amazing, amazing, amazing movie. Uh, right at the end of it, so Ali defeats Frazier, basically by letting him defeat himself, right? Because Frazier is angry, and he's got a chip on his shoulder, and he doesn't conduct the fight properly. So he exhausts himself chasing Ali, and Ali has basically just trained himself to take the damn blows, right? And to wear Frazier out. That's his plan. And then right at the end of the movie, he knocks Frazier down. And it's pretty much the end of the fight. But Frazier sort of struggles to his feet. You know, he's just getting up off the mat. And Ali's got his hand pulled back to just nail him because he's completely laid open. And he puts his glove down and turns away. That's the end of the fight. And Frazier said, and, and, and this is true as far as I know, that that fight tamed him. Like Frazier had a big chip on his shoulder and he was a kind of a dreadful guy up till that fight. And afterwards he was affable and he was, he was civilized. Ali civilized him. And so, but th- that gesture that Ali made was the, that great gesture because he could have flattened him, right? And he had every reason to, man. He got, he got, he got taken apart. Ali took punches like mad in that fight. And then in the final analysis, when he had Frazier down and he was struggling to his feet, he just let him go, man. Nobility of character right there. Something impressive to behold. So, yeah. when... Why are you defining people, like, when you're saying this? Why are you saying your miserable, wretched life? Because there's a lot of people that don't have miserable, wretched lives that also just want to improve. Like, why does it have to be the worst-case scenario in order to Because it has to work. In the, it, has to, it has to work. The theory has to work in the worst-case scenario. Okay. That's so why. You're so you're using the worst-case scenario as an yeah, example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you, do you think that that perhaps may alienate someone who doesn't have the worst-case scenario no, and just I, wants I don't, improvement? I, no, I don't think so because, no? I, well, you know, it depends on how much time you have to outline the ideas. But, mm-hmm. you know, what, what I – because even if things are going really well for you now, there's going to be a time in the future where things are rough. You know, you're going to be ill. Family member's going to be ill. A dream is going to fall apart. You're going to be, you're going to be uh, uh, uncertain about your employment status. Like – the, the flood is coming, right? The apocalypse is coming. It's always the case in life. And you have to be prepared for it. And the question is how to prepare for it. And the answer to that is to find a way of being that works even under the direst of circumstances. That's the issue. And so you outline, and I, I mean, I am pessimistic about this in my approach in some sense, because when I'm talking to my audiences, and the same thing happens and happened in my book, Maps of Meaning and in 12 Rules for Life, I'm laying out the worst case scenario. And that's sort of like hell. It's things are going really badly for you. And that, there's just chance associated with that sometimes. And you and the people around you are doing stupid things to make it worse. It's like, okay, what have you got under those circumstances? You've got the possibility to slowly raise yourself out of the mire. You've got the, the possibility to do just what the fighter does when he's defeated, which is to say, well, regardless of the circumstances that might have led to my defeat, like even if there were errors on the part of the referee, This is no time to whine about it. This is a time to take stock of what I did wrong so that I could improve it into the future. And that's the right attitude. You know, in the Old Testament, one of the things that's really interesting about the Old Testament stories is in the Old Testament, the Jews keep getting walloped by God. It's like they they struggle up and make an empire and then they just get walloped. And then it's all crushed and they're, and they're, they're out of it for generations. And then they struggle back up and make an empire. And then they get demolished again. And it happens over and over and over. And the, the attitude of the Old Testament Hebrews is, we must have made a mistake. It's never 
to shake their fist at the sky and curse fate. It's never that. The presupposition is, if things aren't working out, it's my fault. And that's a hell of a presupposition. And you might say, well, of course, you know, it's, that, that underestimates the degree to which there's systemic oppression, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and, and, the, and the vagaries of fate. It's like it doesn't over, underestimate it. It's not the point. The point is your best strategic position is how am I insufficient and how can I rectify that? That's what you've got. And the thing is, you are insufficient and you could rectify it. You, both of those are within your grasp. If you aim low enough, one of the things why you do you do, see that? That's another thing you keep saying. Aim low enough. Have a low enough bar. Why do you, why do you mean that? Well, let's say you've got a kid and you want the kid to improve. You don't set them a bar that's so high that it's impossible for them to attain it. You take a look at the kid and you think, okay, this kid's got this range of skill. Here's a challenge we can throw at him or her that exceeds their current level of skill but gives them a reasonable probability of success. And so, like I'm saying it tongue-in-cheek to some degree, you mm-hmm. know, it's like, but if you're, but I'm doing it as an aid to humility. It's like, well, I don't know how to start improving my life. Someone might say that. And I would say, well, you're not aiming low enough. There's something you could do that you are regarding as trivial, that, that, that you could do, that you would do, that would result in an actual improvement. But it's not a big enough improvement for you, so you won't lower yourself enough to take the opportunity. Incremental steps. In, yes. And, and So this is also what is achieved through exercise. It's one of the most important. Yeah. Well, what do you do when you go and lift weights? Yeah. You don't go and, like, if you haven't right, bench pressed before, you don't put 400 pounds on the damn bar and drop the, and drop the bar through your skull. Right. You know, you think, look, when I started working out when I was a kid, I was, I was weighed about 130 pounds and I was six foot one. I was a thin kid and I smoked a lot. I wasn't in good shape. I wasn't in good physical shape. And I went to the gym, and it was bloody embarrassing, you know, and people would come over and help me with the goddamn weights. Here's how you're supposed to use this. You know, it was humiliating. And maybe I was pressing 65 pounds or something at that point. You know, but what am I going to do? I'm going to lift up 150 pounds and injure myself right off the bat? No, I had to go in there and strip down and put my skinny goddamn self in front of the mirror and think, son of a bitch, there's all these monsters in the gym who've been lifting weights for 10 years, and I'm struggling to get 50 pounds off the bar. Tough luck for me, but I could lift 50 pounds, and it wasn't very long until I could lift 75. And Well, you know how it goes. But, and I never injured myself when I was weightlifting, and the reason for that was I never pushed myself past where I knew I could go, and I pushed myself a lot. You know, I gained 35 pounds of muscle in about three years in, in university. I kind of had to quit because I was eating so goddamn much I couldn't stand it. I was eating like six meals a day. It was just taking up too much time. But there's a humility in determining what it is that the wretched creature that you are can actually manage. Aim low. And I, I don't mean don't aim. And I don't mean don't aim up. But you have to accept the fact that you can set yourself a goal that you can attain. And there's not going to be much glory in it to begin with. Because if you're not in very good shape, the goal that you could attain, could attain tomorrow isn't very glorious. But it, it's a hell of a lot better than nothing, and it beats the hell out of bitterness, and it's way better than blaming someone else. It's way less dangerous. And you could do it. And what's cool about it, there's a statement in the New Testament. It's called the Matthew Principle, and economists use it to describe how the economy and the world works. To those who have everything, more will be given. From those who have nothing, everything will be taken. It's like what's very pessimistic in some sense because it means that as you start to fail, you fail more and more rapidly. But it also means that as you start to succeed, you succeed more and more rapidly. And so you take an incremental step and, well, now you can lift 
55 pounds instead of 52.5 pounds, you think, well, what the hell's that? It's like it's one step on a very long journey. And so it's, it, and it starts to compound on you. So a small step today means puts you in a position to take a slightly bigger step the next day. And then that puts you in a position to take a slightly bigger step the next day. And you do that for two or three years, man, you're starting to stride. You know, and I have so many people coming up to me now. This is one of the things that's so insanely fun about this tour, which is so positive. It's, it brings me to tears regularly. It's mind-boggling. Because people come up to me, and this is happening wherever I go now, and they say, uh, they're very polite when they come and talk to me. You know, and they're always apologetic for interrupting. And so it's never, it's never narcissistic and it's never annoying. I'm really happy to see people. And they come up to me and they say, well, I know you've heard this lots of times before, but I've really, I've really been putting my life together since I've been watching your lectures. And then they tell me a story about where they were in some dark place, too much alcohol, too much drugs, not getting along with their father, not getting along with their mother, not having a vision for their life, being nihilistic, playing too many video games, you know, like... Um, uh, being suicidal, that, that happens a lot. Having post-traumatic stress disorder, sometimes as a consequence of combat. Whatever little slice of hell they were occupying. They say, look, I've been, I've been listening to your lectures and I've been developing a vision for my life and I've been trying to take responsibility and I've been trying to tell the truth and things are way better. And so that's absolutely perfect. It's, it's, it's the right way forward as far as I'm concerned. And those are people who, they took stock of themselves. They said, I'm in a dark place and I'm a dark person. And here's some things that this dark person in this dark place could do. Little things that they could actually do. I'll clean up my damn room. I'll make my bed. I've had, I don't know how many people have come and told me. It's so strange. They said, well, I started making my bed and that made all the difference. It's like, well, yeah, you decided to aim up, man. And the first concrete instantiation of that was that you made your bed. And you think, well, that's nothing heroic. It's like, no, but aiming up is heroic. That's something. And then lowering yourself to the point where you're not above the mess in your room. You know, you're not superordinate to that. You lower yourself so that you straighten up. You're grateful for what you have right in front of you and you take care of it and you put it in order. It's like all of a sudden things start to get better. It's so wonderful to be doing this tour because I see so... That's what this tour has been about for me. It's not political. I never talk to... People after the talks, for example, I talk to about 150 people a night. We never talk about anything political. It's always this. I wasn't doing very well. I'm putting my life together. I'm getting along better with my father. I'm getting along better with my wife. I'm getting along better with my kids. I've got some meaning in my life. Thanks a lot. It's way better. It's like, yes, that's, that's the right thing. It's very beneficial for people, and they, they need to hear that. And there's, there's something that comes along with that that's critical and what that is is an honest assessment of yourself and honesty that that type of honesty honesty with yourself it's very difficult for some people and they don't have the tools for it and they haven't been explained how to do this or why you should or why you should Mm -hmm. yeah one of the things that happens when you go through school you're told what to do you're never told how to think Mm -hmm. you never you're also told that you're okay the way you are that's self-esteem yeah you're okay the way you are it's like no you're not and this is another thing that, that... Well, you are and you're not. Right. You're okay as a human. Look, yeah. if you want to be a black belt in jiu-jitsu and you just started your first class, you're okay as you are. You're a human. But in the goal, you're not okay. Yeah. That's in the right. greater goal, That's right. the incremental improvement is important. You, yeah. have to, you have to honestly assess your position and move forward. Yeah, well, that's it. You're a position yes. and a trajectory. Yes. Right. And, and when you say to someone, you're okay because of your position... 
that's not good enough because you have to say, well, wait a second, you need a trajectory. And maybe you're okay if you're okay in your position and your trajectory. But, you know, the self-esteem movements and all of that, well, accept yourself the way you are. It's like, mm, no, because you need a trajectory. And one of the things that, that I think, one of the reasons that audiences are responding to what I've been saying in my lectures and what I've been writing about is that I don't tell people that they're okay the way they are. No, I say, no, no, you could be way more than you are. And they're relieved about that, you see, because if you're in a dark and terrible place and someone says you're okay the way you are, then you don't know what to do about that. It's right. like, no, I'm not. I'm right. having it. I'm having a terrible time, and I'm hopeless. You're okay the way you are. Well, then what? What? That's it? That's it? That's where I am? And what do you want to tell a young person? You're 17. You're okay the way you are. It's like, no, you're not. You've got 60 years to be better, and you could be way better. You could be incomparably better across multiple dimensions. And in pursuing that better, that's where you'll find the meaning in your life, and that will give you the antidote to the suffering. The way I always describe it to people is there are disciplines that you can pursue, and those disciplines are a vehicle for developing your human potential. And if you get better at these things, you can get better at anything. Mm -hmm. And if you figure out what it takes to become better at whatever sport it is or whatever art it is or whatever you're pursuing, the same principles you can apply to the way you treat people, you can apply to the way you educate yourself, you can apply to the way you keep your body in shape. All those things are connected. That's why you have to import, impose order. People have asked me in my book why I wrote it as an antidote to chaos, you know, because, well, there isn't anything technically wrong with chaos. Chaos is a place of great potential. Well, the question is, what's the proper, what's the proper balance between chaos and order? Chaos, potential, and order. Um, well, the answer is, look, when you're a kid, you're all potential. It's chaotic potential. It can manifest itself in any number of ways. And you, you, maybe you don't want to give that up. So you're like Peter Pan. You want to be a kid forever because you don't want to give up the potential. And you look out in the world and all you see are Captain Hooks, you know, who've lost a hand, who are chased by death because that's the clock in the crocodile. It's already got a t taste of him. He's terrified by death and he's a tyrant. Well, I don't want to grow up to be that. So I won't be disciplined at all. Well, that's no good because the way the potential transforms itself into actuality is through discipline. And so then you, as you said, this is the trick though. You have to pick a path of discipline. Whether what path of discipline you have to pick is a different issue. So there could be a rule. The rule could be, the rule might not be follow this rule. The rule might be you have to follow some rules. So it's a meta rule. And the meta rule is you have to discipline yourself. And the issue is, well, how? That's not really the relevant question. You can pick a disciplinary path. That's why I often tell my clients, especially young people, they say, well, I don't know what to do. It's like, that's okay. Nobody does. Go do something. Do the best thing that you can think of. Put the best plan you have into practice. It's not going to be perfect, and it will change along the way. But it will change partly because you become disciplined pursuing the path. And as you become disciplined, you become wiser. And as you become wiser, you become able to formulate better and better plans. So you can start vaguely and confused and develop a plan that's not so great and you start to implement it and then you, you, you accrue incremental wisdom as you implement your flawed plan and that enables you to fix the plan. And so that's part of that process of incremental self-improvement as well. One of the more difficult aspects of that is personal honesty, like being honest with yourself, being honest with yourself about what you're doing, self-assessment. It's yeah. very difficult for people. They don't, they're, never, they're never taught it. It's hmm. not something that's encouraged. No, and it's dismal. I mean, imagine you only, got you only have $100,000 to go buy a house. And so you go, buy, you go look at this house, and it's like, Jesus, this house, man, it's like it needs a lot of work. It's like, well, that's all you've got. Well, are you going to pretend that the house is okay the way it is? 
Or are you going to look for where it's rotten and where the plumbing doesn't work and where the stove doesn't work? You have to go and look and see where everything needs to be fixed. And that's like, that is harsh, man. But, and then in order to do that properly, someone has to have taught you, it's look, you aren't your problems. Well, you are. You're most fundamentally that which, if it confronts its problems, can solve them. And that's the hero myth in a, in, a, in a nutshell, by the way. The hero is the person who confronts horrible, chaotic potential and tames it and makes something of it, right? That's the, that's the fundamental human story. But the problem is, is that you have to face what you don't want to face in order to fix it. Yeah. And, and so you look at all the things about yourself that need to be burned off, that need to be dispensed with. And that man, especially at the beginning, especially if you're screwed up, that may be like 95% of you just has to go up in flames. And it's painful. Even some of that stuff that you have to burn off doesn't want to die. And it'll scream in agony while you're burning it off. It's not pleasant. But if you know that you're the thing that can transcend your problems, most fundamentally, if you know you're the thing that if it faces the problems can transcend them, then you have the faith that would enable you to take stock of who you are. And you have to do that in small steps because most people don't have experience in transcending their problems. So they really don't know what it even feels like. It seems like an alien concept. It seems like something other people can do. Mm-hmm. But if you do it incrementally, you can mm-hmm. show yourself that you can do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's one of the reasons why they have uh, belt systems in martial arts. You, you start off slow. Oh, my God, I got a stripe on my white belt. Oh, my God, I'm a blue belt. You, you feel improvement. Yeah. And for some people, it's the first real improvement marked absolute improvement in their life. 